Welcome to the Ground Beneath Grace. Sometimes we have a hard time believing in God. It's a confession many of us have. Even if we know God is real, doubts can creep in. Join Jono and Joey tonight as they revisit the narrative of Jesus. Jesus helps us understand our identity with God. Now, here they are, Joey and Jono. Welcome, everybody. We are back once again, Ground Beneath Grace. I'm Jonathan Thomas. And Joey Walter. And we are picking back up on our conversation of the 10 things or 10 sins that Jesus thought were really important that we talk about. So we are going to pick up from where we left off. And I believe we left off with unbelief. And we're going to start with hypocrisy. We were supposed to be last week and I, I threw him off. I threw him under the bus. I, I left him hanging twice. And then I called him weird and a bunch of other names and stuff. And then I thought, should I, should I be antagonized this more? And I was at the market the other day and they have a free library book thing. And I, I saw a book there and I'm like, I should take a picture of this book and send it to Joey. Cause he would love it. And it was by your favorite preacher, Joel mm. Olstein. And I forget the name of the book. He's written several of them. And um, this is uh, better your life or something, how to live a better life. He had a big smile on there. And so if we're talking about hypocrisy, the tough mm. part is, and we could talk about Joel Olstein all day long, but the the real part of, I think, this hypocrisy thing is people who say one thing about how to do something and, and, you know, other people, but they don't live that out themselves. It's do as I say, not as I do. And so, you know, Jesus very clearly in the great commission says that we are to make disciples and baptize them and teach them to observe everything that I've commanded. And some people that text has been uh, rendered as teach them to obey everything that I've commanded. And so we've had a lot of people, I think, teaching people to obey, 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 but not teaching to observe. And observation is I have to see you or they have to see me doing it in order for it to be um, something for them to do. I, I can't expect for someone else to do it if I'm not doing it myself. And I'm the one who's leading that. That's where the hypocrisy thing comes about. Jesus talks about this. He, he talks about blind leading the blind. He definitely comes down on religious leaders. Religious leaders in his time were the ones who were the hypocrites. You hypocrites. You know, he would, he would speak this out. And that's what the world still does today. They look at church people who say how to live one way, and they live exactly like the world around them. As a matter of fact, divorce rates seem to be very similar in both religious, you know, Christian organization type groups, as well as secular for to use that alcohol, drug abuse. We see these things, these numbers are not too far from people who claim to have a faith in their life today versus those who do not. So that's, it's a little bit different, I think, than long ago, we have definitely more advertisement, but Jesus definitely speaks out on this topic. And it's hard to talk about hypocrisy because we'd be talking about other things. So the question is, Joey, are you and I going to be hypocrites by bringing up topics that we ourselves are guilty on? 
And I know I do all the time. So how can we get through this conversation of hypocrites without being hypocrites in this podcast and recorded for all the world to say, see, <laughs> being, being hypocrites ourselves. Well, I appreciate you publicly saying, you know, that you called me, you know, all those things and stood me up. So this will be the last podcast for me and uh, appreciate that. So oh, thought, no. we'd do a, thought we'd do a grand finale. No, I think, you know, it's easy to say, you know, do as I say, don't do as I do. But, and I think I, 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 I'm pretty sure we talked about this a long time ago, but I visited a church down here about a year ago and actually had a guest, a guest preacher, a guest minister, which I think is a lot like, you know, having a sub in school, like, we're not going to get much out of this, but it was actually really good. And I think the thing that the, the one thing that he said that really resonated with me was it's easy to sin or it's easy to look, be like a hypocrite on other sins of, of sins that you don't understand. So like, uh, like, for instance, if you have like a gambling problem, you know, I can kind of understand that, but I've never had that problem. So it's easy for me to say, well, that's bad. That's terrible. Or, or whatever, you know, something like that. So I think it's, I think that's one thing that kind of leads to the hypocrisy is if you don't understand it, you know, that's why you, you can say it's more bad than what you do because you don't understand the other thing. Yeah, right. And it, it is when we press that on other people, you know, we're just trying to shift that away from ourselves, kind of gives us this superiority type thing. Mm -hmm. And again, rightfully so, today, this is why a lot of people don't go to church, because it's full of hypocrites. And that you tell folks, hey, Jesus was opposed to hypocrites too. That still doesn't make people want to go to church. Why do I want to go to a place where there's going to be a lot of people who are going to say one thing and live it out the next day? Uh, I think we wanted, we were going to talk about having a podcast, I think, about this. Joe, you sent me that article about Christians who had just come from church, but then they blasted the wait staff at yeah. a restaurant. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, do you, I didn't read the article. I go, man, I totally get that. You know, after Sunday church people in the world and how they behave and how they treat people in restaurants, been there, seen that. I hope that I've never done that, but I definitely have seen it. I, you said you had an, an experience. I don't know if you can share that. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll, I'll share it. It is my spouse who did this. She, for several years, she worked right around the time we met. She worked at a restaurant in Arkansas that's out of business now, but there's a, it was a chain and, um, it's very famous for a, a really hot spot for the after church crowd. They, uh, served like country cooking type stuff. And she, <laughs> she had several experiences like this where people would come in after church and were just awful to deal with. And she actually spilled a drink on one guy who was berating her about something and I accidentally spilled a drink, of course. Mm -hmm. accidentally on purpose but you know she's i think she said to one customer that if his <laughs> if his church made him that if she was in his position and his church made him that big of a jerk then he would he should probably find another church but it's absolutely true i've seen it i've felt that you know true or not i have felt judged in churches i kind of do a little Maybe I shouldn't, but I'd kind of do a sociological experiment a little bit when I'm trying a new church 
and I don't dress up to see if they, how they treat you. I mean, I've been, like I said, I've been a member of a church where they, we weren't talked to. It's a big church and I've been in, I've been in big churches where they act like you're their best friend that they haven't, you know, seen in a while or, and, you know, same thing with small churches. And I've been in small churches where they won't talk to you, just like in some of the big churches. So, you know, it's interesting in, in one of the churches, you know, I was a member at in Little Rock, it was in the downtown area and there was, you know, a sizable homeless population in that area. And sometimes they would wander in, you know, not wander in, but I mean, they would come to services. And so it was interesting to see how they were treated. It wasn't, it wasn't bad at all. I mean, it was, it was there were definitely people were welcoming. And so, but you know, the, you're talking about, you know, Jesus in the church, you know, I'll say it again. If Jesus comes back, or if and when Jesus comes back, I don't think he's going to go to the, each, you know, the biggest church in each town and say, hey, here I am, come worship me. I think he's going to go look for the people who are lost and or who are disenfranchised with church and say, hey, you know, this is what it should really be like. I think most churches get it right, you know, but unfortunately, like you said, the ones that get it wrong really hurt people, whether it's intentional or not, but they hurt people to where they're probably not ever going to go to church again. And so that's unfortunate. And that's, that's who I think Jesus is looking for. Not just the people who you know, already have a relationship with him, but the people who uh, don't and don't because of the people that, you know, judge. And, you know, I think, you know, you've got hypocrisy is the first one here. I think judging others is pretty close in line with that. So, and I, I know, you know, we're guilty of it as well, but I, I just think that's something that we have to remember to one, one example, when I was in reserve police training, it kind of stuck with me. Um, one of the uh, training officers said, when you're out on the streets in uniform, you should treat, you should act in a way like your family is in the back seat of your car. And that stuck with me. And I've always compared that to, we should act like Jesus is in the back seat of our car. That's hard for me. And I've forgotten that somewhat in traffic here, but, but no, I mean, seriously, I think that if, if we acted that way, just how things would be different. And I'm, I'm guilty of it as well. I, I totally am. I don't give money to every homeless person that I see. And if I did, I wouldn't post it on social media, but anyway, sorry, I started to ramble again. So I'll shut up and let you talk. Yeah, no, I mean, Jesus talks about those things and says, Hey, if that's, those are the things you want people to see and it's not done you know, with a, a right heart, your reward is, yeah, people saw you. And what does that really do? Especially in this age where everybody posts everything, a million images, a billion words, and they last for how I've been listening to some audiobooks, uh, one on how to write better. It, it was great. It makes me think of a future podcast of memoirs, which are just memories about what would a podcast of, of Joey and Jono's memories you know, a few of those little stories we told long, but this author was just talking about just, you know, writing these things down, writing well. Another author was called Still Like an Artist, and he was also sharing techniques and certain things. And he, this author said, you know, we live in a world where you're only as good as your last post, because a lot of people only look at the last thing that you posted, right? 
-hmm. Very few people dig deeper and go farther down. And so if your last, whatever word, your last image, sometimes you're only as good as that. And that's the world that we live in. And we need to be people who go beyond that surface. We need to be able people to go deeper. And sometimes when I'm looking on social media, I'm not on Facebook much anymore, if any at all. But on Instagram, I'll see um, an artist and I'll go look at what was their first image? Where did they start? If it's something that catches my attention there, I want to see their journey. And it's nice to kind of walk along through that. And I'll I'll go all the way back through their profile if I can, especially I like the profiles that don't have 50,000 or 100,000 followers or whatever it is. I like the ones that are 200, 500 or, or 100 or 10, because those are the people like me, you know, they're the ones that don't have a lot of people looking at stuff. And I want to see where they are and I go, wow, that there's good stuff here. But unfortunately, we are only sometimes as good as the last image or word or podcast that people hear. It's tough though, right? And that's hypocrisy. We need to not step into that. Jesus definitely speaks out against it. And unfortunately, that's one that the world definitely has a foothold in when it comes to Christianity or churches rather. So yeah, don't be a hypocrite. We need to work on that. Everybody, if you are, admit it. And say, yep, I've blown it. And then move forward and say, hold me accountable when I seem hypocritical about some stuff. Give people permission to speak out. Pray about God putting things in your life that keep you from being that hypocrite, that jerk, that bad example. Live like your family's in the back of your car or that Jesus is in the back of your car. Um I would say if you're living like Jesus is in the back of your car, then have a relationship with Jesus that's as close as your smallest child so that you still are not saying or speaking or doing the things like that. So the next sin that Jesus wants us to listen to, the next sin Jesus wants us to consider is greed. This is a fun conversation for many Americans. We like to think that we are not greedy people, but this one really has a hook in a lot of folks. As much as we want to say that it does not, it does. Uh, Jesus teaches on money and possessions probably more than any other topic, which kind of gives a clue into what his I mean, mission was about. God provided everything at the very beginning. In the garden, nobody had any needs, any wants. It was cared for. Even when they didn't, God's grace, his mercy was to provide clothes, a clothing, you know, for Adam and Eve at that moment. He God becomes a seamstress in a sense and provides. And he's always done that. But we take on possessions. We want more and more and more. I look at my house, Joey, you talked about moving, you know, you've done it. If I had to move, I'd want my house to burn down because I can't think of even packing all the stuff that's in my house, (laughs) but money possessions and those types of things. Jesus says, Hey, you know, nobody can serve two masters. Matthew shares this in chapter six, verse 24. He says, you'll either hate one and love the other, or you'll love one and hate the other. Therefore, it really is impossible 
to serve both God and money. Now, money's not bad. Money is a moral, a moral thing. It's like a brick. You can build a house with it, or you can throw it through someone's window. It It's not a bad thing, but it's what you do with it that can be bad. It's how you treat it that can be bad. And boy, we sure do like money. We like comfort. We definitely, I think, put too much on it. What do we really need? Not greed. What do we need? That's a hard one to answer so many times today. But Jesus thinks, hey, it's important that you consider to not be greedy. And I would say churches can be greedy because they have people in them. I can be greedy. We want what we want. We have a hard time sharing. Nice, nice church building. Can we use it on a night that you're not using it? Oh, well, this is our church building with our group. But you're not using this room at all. Mm. Kind of like the author that you mentioned when the hurricane hit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is a tough one for me because, you know, I want to make money. I want to, I don't, I don't spend on clothes. You know, I want to eat well, (laughs) you know, and I guess there's that fear of it's in the back of my mind. It's like, you know, just a couple of things just scared me to death being homeless and going to prison. And hopefully I'll never go to prison because I don't do anything intentionally that would put me there. But yeah, I'm just always, so I'm worried about, you know, I want, I want to have that safety cushion of, you know, a savings account and eventually I would like to retire. So yeah, I think I do. I mean, I do struggle with that. So I'm trying to hopefully be able to retire at some point. And so I guess that's, you know, where I want to have that, you know, that savings and, and things like that. But it's, it's real easy to, you know, for me, like I said earlier, like I don't give to the homeless every day and I don't, I don't see a homeless where I mean, I could easily go find them out, but there's a, there's a street where I work that I usually don't go that way, but there are, it's in, a, it's right in uh, some apartments near one of the university. There are so many, I don't know if they're, there's some homeless, but there's, you know, encampments. I haven't seen it as bad as Seattle. I think Seattle is the worst I've ever seen, but it's sad, but you know, if I, I, I do struggle with that, you know, do I give this person, you know, money and are they going to do, do they really need it? Or is this, their, is this their job or are they homeless or, or what? But I know we should, we should do that anyway, regardless. I mean, it's $2 or whatever, isn't a big deal. So, but yeah, I think that's something that, that I definitely think about is, is trying not to be greedy for sure. Yeah. And, and again, I, I wrestle with, is this saying, not to save money, provide for your family, have a retirement. That's a tough question. Ask Mother Teresa and see what she says. But interestingly enough, I think for for myself and, and many others, at least I've found that when I give, God always gives more back. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I, and, and that, that is the only thing that God says to test him in. 
be generous and see if I don't open up the floodgates and pour out, you know, he owns everything, right? We just find ourselves sometimes afraid, right? Or afraid of, I don't want to be homeless. I don't want to go to jail. I think I could go to jail. I mean, not that I'm going to do something that would do that, but I probably could figure something out there. But I remember we talked a little bit about academics early on and some of my struggles in that. And I felt like, yeah, that was an option that if I didn't do things right, if I didn't do it well, I would be homeless. I would be on the streets and I did not want to do that. We have a homeless population here in Wenatchee and it's very hard. Uh, My son just got a job and in order to do that, he had to interview. He had to get new shoes because he couldn't wear tennis shoes. This was an upper class restaurant that he was applying for. And once he got the job, they had to give him a call on what his cell phone. And then he had to get a uniform that black slacks. He had to get the gray shirt. He had to get the things that had to match. I told him, I said, when someone looks at a homeless person and they say, just get a job, yeah. how tough it easy. is for someone to do that. Okay. I'm got to just go to five different stores that we went to, to try to find a shirt and mm-hmm. eventually had to end up ordering it online to ship to our house, to an address that there's all these obstacles and things that happen for sure. I don't mm-hmm. think that it means that we're always ignoring those things, but I don't think that always means that we're addressing every single one of those. Um, we just have to be mindful and careful about what it is we end up necessarily hoarding. It's, it's this idea of you know, we think of gluttony as just being a a sin of eating, but we can absorb so much and not want to share, not want to live with an open hand. And I think that God is saying, just live with an open hand. If something goes away, the only way that it could ever come back is with an open hand. If you close that fist, nothing can get back in it. I remember that was a story that my mom shared with me really early on, you know, we grew up in California, small little church. It seemed small, was white, had a picture of the Jordan river painted on the back of the baptistry. You know, I guess that was the Jordan river. I've been to the Jordan river. Now that I think about it, it didn't look like that image that was there, but that was the idea. And in our tradition, every week we would take part in communion. And funny enough, it was just separate but a part of, you know, that was the statement where after we did the communion bread and we did the wine separate, but a part, it's going to take up a collection time. And that's where you pass the plates, right? They go through and the little silver or gold, whichever high church you ended up in or basket, those, those contribution baskets would be passed through the aisles. And one day my mom gave me just a handful of pennies about as full and, and just, they were about to fall out as this little tiny, I think six, five or six year old hand could hold. It it seemed like so much. Now, when we would go to church, we after church would stop at a store and we would get some candy and we would do certain things, baseball cards, stuff like that. When you could get candy bars and baseball cards for a handful of pennies, right? I remember that communion plate coming by and I had just been given this handful of pennies and my mom stopped it right in front of me. 
and my hand, I look kind of at her and my hand, I took my hand and I, I didn't want to put all those pennies in there. So I just let a couple of them fall out. Clank, clank. They hit the plate. It definitely wasn't a tithe for what the pennies were in my hand. It wasn't a tenth. It was a, it was a grip I was holding on to, and really what fell out was probably more than I wanted. And she looked at me, and I just looked at her and held onto those pennies and then pulled my hand back like, I'm done. You can move this along. So she did, and she passed that plate along, and it went through off everyone else. But, but I'll never forget her telling me, you know, God gives us everything. And, and the tighter you hold your hand, like, the less will get in. Mm-hmm. So when you open your hand, you let it release, that more can come in. You have pennies and you've gripped them in your hands, but if you let those loose, you've got an opportunity for nickels and dimes, which are a lot and smaller, and you can get more, right? And quarters to fill that up. And gosh, I was little, but I remember that. You close your hand, nothing can get into it. And I do experiments. I do things that are, in in my life, I like to do things that are called faith pledges. We won't get into tithing because no Christian actually tithes. And if we did, and we felt like that that was a command, and most Christians believe it's not a command, and God doesn't do that, that's Old Testament. And, and then when it comes to something that they want, like wrath, they're like, well, the Old Testament says, and then so they can, that's God, and he'll bring that down. But they pick and choose, right, what they want. But mm-hmm. pretty much every evangelical church has said tithing, you know, it's it's not required anymore, so we don't need to give a tenth. Are you kidding me? You should give with your heart. That's what Paul says. Well, yeah, there's tithing and then there's offerings and we should be generously giving in both of those areas there. We, But I like to say, you know, I believe I could give God this much. I could do this. I know what I could do. It's within my abilities and I could make that happen. Even on the worst day, I could do an extra job or do something and I could make that happen. What I like to do is say, here's an amount that I know that I can't make happen. I in no way could give this amount. And if it's going to happen, it's going to be because God made it happen. So it's a little bit of a faith pledge. And I shared that with someone. And so they're like, well, I can try that. And so what they did is they said, I'm going to give this much to the church, but I'm going to make a faith pledge of this amount. And within two weeks, they had a material thing that they had that they hadn't planned on selling. And someone actually paid double for what he was asking for it. His son was going to some type of uh, retreat camp and they ended up getting a scholarship, which paid the whole thing. So the $300 that it was going to cost to send him cost nothing. And what he said is, I always would have just looked at that as like, oh, wow. I mean, I got a discount and that's great. But doing this faith pledge thing, what I realized was I literally in just these two things got what I wrote down and I'm more, you know, like a God coupon It's like God gave me the opportunity where I was going to spend $300, but it got a scholarship. Guess what? I budgeted $300 for the scholarship, but now I have $300. 
I was only going to not even sell this material thing, but not only did I sell it for what I wanted, I got doubled for that, which is more than I want. And so what do I do with this extra money? Most of us would have said jackpot and put it in our pocket and not thought second about it. But I think God's going, yeah, I do this all the time. I just want you to be more purposeful with it. Guess what? Your cable bill wasn't as much this month. Your eating out bill wasn't as much this month. Your, you know, you, you bought 10 bags of dog food. And so the 10th one was free. And so you didn't have to spend 50 bucks on dog food this time. Those are things that God says, these are other opportunities, not just for you, but you could do something really valuable with it. And I love carrying around a hundred dollar bill in my pocket and I'll talk about it later, but I listen to the Holy spirit and sometimes just says, go give this hundred dollars to that person. It's not typically a person off the street. It's someone who I hear their story and I know them and Sometimes they do need it. And sometimes they don't need it. Recently, I gave it to a family and they did need it. And I said, but here's the deal. I've done this more than I can remember. More times than I can count. I've given this hundred dollar bill and it always comes back in a hundred dollar bill form. Exactly like this. It's going to be $100 bill. Someone's going to give it to me. And when that happens, I'll come back to you and tell you that God brought it back to me. And I, I had given that uh, to them and it wasn't two weeks later, someone came to me and they're just like, Hey, I just really like what you're doing here. And so uh, here's a hundred dollars. I'm like, what? So I went back to that family and like, no way. I'm like, that's just what God does. You give it away. He gives room to do that. And for me, that's a fun story. Who doesn't want to just give away hundred dollar bills to people and then share this great story of God's faithfulness. Someone told me, why don't you give away a thousand? I'm like, well, I don't have that much faith, <laughs> but it's I should the faith of a mustard seed, but I should. Right. So yeah. greed, I think it's how we just sort of, you know, how we're looking at it here. We have a lot of opportunity to not be greedy and it's, it's not just in money, although that's the way that we can see it most of the time. It, it is in other ways, but we, sh- we should be open and challenged to live with an open hand. Agreed. Yeah, I think I think I've gotten, I guess, more greedy with my time. You know, like I don't have a super stressful job, but it is stressful at times. More obviously, more often than some. But you know, sometimes like I just want to come home and not do anything, and then usually the week I'm like I'm done. Like I don't like. There's going to be one day where I just sit in the recliner, like the majority of the day and just watch that. Yeah, I am, I am becoming more greedy with, with my time. You know, I used to do, I guess, a lot more. And part of that is, I guess, age as well. But uh, yeah, we, when we think greed, I think, I think we think money. And I think, you know, what I kind of correlate that to is kind of keeping up with the Joneses. You know, we, <laughs> We've got this neighbor. I mean, we live in we live in a cul-de-sac, and we've got this neighbor that's got this beautiful boat. I mean, it is a I'd almost call it a I mean, almost a yacht. It is huge, and there's three people that live there. I mean, it's like a boat big enough for a dozen people, and they go out and use that boat all the time. They take it out every weekend, rain or shine, cold or hot. They take it out, which is awesome. And, you know, we all made a joke, like, you know, we need to make, make friends with them. I'm like, you know, that'd be neat to have a boat. 
I'm like, I don't want a boat. <laughs> First of all, I couldn't back it up into the water for one thing, but I think, I think that's the big thing. And, I, and you know, we, we had a problem with that when we were younger, a little bit of kind of keeping up with the Joneses, you know, not so much now, I don't think as, as I've gotten older, I feel like, like when I see something like, you know, driving down the highway is, man, that's a nice car. That's a nice truck. But I don't, I don't think it's great. It's more of appreciation. Like that's really sharp. That is a really nice vehicle, but I hope it's not like greed where I'm like coveting, coveting that or, you know, Oh, woe is me. I don't have a $75,000 truck. I'm just fine. So, but I, but I do think, you know, greed and envy and, you know, keeping up with the Joneses can all, I know envy is not part of this, but I think, I think it very easily can be. Right. They do touch, I think somewhere in there, Mm -hmm. but I think that's a great point you bring up. It's not just money. It could be our time. It could be a lot of other things too. We just have to be aware of what it is we are just hoarding and not sharing. What do we, what do we, what are you not living with an open hand with to your neighbor? So good point. Or also, being greedy can be correlated with, you can edit this out with wanting to go back to school or taking a new direction in life and choosing not to do that, even though you have the ability to. Ooh, that was a jab right there. Uh, prior conversation uh, offline. Didn't call you any names though. <laughs> Ouch. Very weird of you not to do that. It's so strange wonder who you're talking about i don't want to i can be weird i don't want to be like everybody else i'm gonna i'm funny edit this out oh you're funny okay well let's let's talk about the gift the next topic is unforgiveness (laughs) maybe i should get over this you're gonna practice this a little bit here I, i i got a i got a big problem with them with this like full disclosure i am really bad about remembering something that someone did and it, I, I don't know if, yeah, I mean, it is a part of unforgiveness, but it's like, for me, it's like um, correlating that event or what something that they did to that's the person that they are. And it could be 20 years ago. And like, well, that can't be. Because they did this, you know, so-and-so, you know, people change, not always for the bad, but a lot of times they change for the good. And I kind of wonder if that with with the first book that we wrote, if that has something to do with, you know, I'm not the person I was, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, definitely was the person I was in high school. So it's, I am bad about that. I am bad about remembering something, especially if it made an impact on you know, how I felt at the time or, or something, if it was done to me or, or whatever. So I don't know that, that, that would kind of hit home with me. Yeah. It's not an easy one. I, I do wrestle. I feel like I'm not angry at anybody. Who do I hold a grudge against? And I do know that this is a very tough one for some folks because I, I know folks who wrestle with this and they remember certain things at certain times. I spoke to a gentleman Earlier this week, I don't recall exactly what it was, but it was 
this idea of unforgiving and it was, hey, I will never do that again. I'll never go there again. And sometimes I think things that I don't say, or I'll think several things and say the seventh thought that comes to my mind because the first six of them were not appropriate. (laughs) But I believe when this person was telling me, I will never do that again, or I'll never go there again, or I'll never be a part of that again. I said, good thing you've never had a bad hamburger in your life. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't know why I said that, but it's just like, we, we don't give up on certain things that would please us, but we give up on other things sometimes too fast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We'll never give it another shot, but we're really not conditioned that way. We don't typically do that. We do take second chances on a lot of things. But somewhere there's something, and I think it comes with people, one another, where we just don't want to forgive and to reflect on that. And as I was listening and you were talking and sharing, I mean, Jesus on the cross, his statement was, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And you mentioned this. We've talked about the criminals on the cross and the thief who was there who would just ask for forgiveness at that last moment. And that's what Jesus's whole purpose was, is to the last moment was to forgive. Mm-hmm. And yet, one of the hardest things for us to do sometimes is to forgive, forget, forget and forgive. But I would say if I had a, a forgiveness story that I don't know that I fully resolved, it would be forgiving of my father who was never there in my whole life. Mm-hmm. And now he's dead. So you forgive a dead father. I, there was a Christian movie out a while ago. I think it was about firefighters or something like that. I forget the name of it, but I know what you're talking about. there was a similar event where this fella needed to forgive and it was his father, but his father had died. And so he wrote a letter and went to the grave of his father and read this letter and had to get forgiveness. Forgiveness is something that I, I, I think that I've done it. I I think I've forgiven him, but these little things creep up. It's like, well, my father never did that. Did I really forgive when I still bring up things like that? That'd be my wrestle point. But ultimately people, I think when we cannot forgive, that is probably a, one of the greatest stumbling blocks any life will ever have. If they cannot forgive, I really doubt them moving forward on anything else. I think it's an absolute wall of progress, keeping people from what they were created to be. If we cannot forgive, this is ultimately right. Jesus's last thing that he did on earth before the resurrection, it was his purpose to come to earth was to forgive and, and seek lost. And even Viktor Frankl in his book, the man search for me, man search for meaning. His big deal in Logos therapy was this concept of forgiveness. How do Jews who were in concentration camps, himself included, overcome the atrocities, the horrific war crimes, the inhuman events that took place? How do you Mm -hmm. go forward with something like that in your life? And his theory was forgiveness. And he led people through this story of forgiveness, and it was quite successful. I think every, if I recall, every patient of his 
who went through the program was able to forgive and they were the ones who lived life better than many others who never could forgive what happened in those places. They could not move on because they were stuck in a moment. Mm -hmm. And so I think absolutely when Jesus is talking about this, he's trying to make it very clear. Obviously there's a lot of things (laughs) that should not be forgiven, but an unforgiving person I think is really going to have a very difficult time in life. Yeah, totally. And I mean, you know, there's, there's, <laughs> I think there's probably levels of forgiveness, you know, I mean, yeah, if you are in Nazi Germany and, you know, your entire family is wiped out, but somehow you survive, that's much um, harder to do, obviously, than the person who cuts you off in traffic or, or, or snubs you while you're in the grocery store or something like that. But I think it's all about having that peace to where if you're, if you're able to move on and, and be done with it. And again, it's something I, you know, I, I do struggle with, you know, at times, but if you have that piece about you that you realize, you know, that being a, a forgiving person, it's much easier. <laughs> it's a much easier path. Like you said, as a, you know, when we ourselves have to ask, you know, for forgiveness or when we do ask for forgiveness, it's going to be, and, and not only that, but in the, in the example to others to be able to do that. I think that's, it's obviously something to bear in mind as well. Yeah, n- not easy. But again, I think one of the things that Jesus talks about, so it's very important that we really pay attention to that. He thought it was important. We should think it's important. And so I guess for you and I, I mean, I'm constantly trying to reflect, am I living in a state where I can be forgiving and not just the person who runs me off the road, but which literally happened to my family last night and them being crashed. And that that's interesting too, seeing this lady who ran into the rear end of our uh, minivan and scared the kids, you know, they were super upset. And, but this lady, she's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I mean, it's just a car. So I approached her and I just gave her a hug. That's what she needed. And she's like, it was my fault. I take full responsibility. And I'm like, it's, it's okay. I didn't say I forgive you, but I mean, in a sense, I mean, it, this was everyone's safe, but like you said, it is harder when you've had, you know, what if she had been drinking and crashed into this car of my family and killed everybody? How would I have felt? doesn't mean that forgiveness is not needed or doesn't exist, but it's a lot harder and absolutely it's a lot harder. So uh, that we can only do when we are presented with those types of things. And then hopefully not by my strength or my might, but by God and his grace and his example, could we ever move forward in any horrific situation like that? Yeah, exactly. All right. What's the next one? Do you hear my dog snoring? I hope you don't. I heard Um, something. It was like, "Mm." I thought, oh, is Joey hungry? That's that's (laughs) hurt. I am. I definitely am. Yeah. I think this should be the the last one. Maybe we'll make us a three-parter. Yeah. Um, Next one is hatred. Yep. Yep. We can can wrap it up here for sure. I think it's probably a good one because moving on to hatred, we probably should have talked about that one first and then talked about (laughs) forgiveness, right? But this again, the ground beneath grace, what it is really is this story of grace. And there are so many people who don't have that in their life, who need it. For those of us who 
look into the scriptures who are looking to Jesus, we have a little bit of a understanding of what this is because we've received it. I hope that we've received it. Some people, unfortunately, they've read about it. They have all the instructions, but they've never really fully grabbed a hold of this, this, this in this grip of grace. But that's what we're trying to do here at the Ground Beneath Grace. And just want to share that with everybody. So if you've got one of these sins that you would like to comment on or some that you have thoughts on or things that you would like to share with, confess, even if you don't like this podcast, we forgive you. It's okay. <laughs> I'm working on, I'm working on that. I don't know if I can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll, we'll wrap it up and wish everybody a great uh, rest of their time. I think a podcast that we're working on, I hope next week, my daughter Miriam and her good friend Aaron will be in town and we will work on doing a part two to a topic earlier that we uh, had was uh, women in church. It might not air after this one. We'll, we're just going to see what comes about, but we do have three more of these, the sins that Jesus talked about and want us to know. And so we'll move on to those probably in the next podcast in the future have this special guest. So now that I've nice. said it, we have to do it. Now we have to. No, yeah, we, no, no pressure on them. Nope. Nope. What did you say? You thought they didn't, you didn't want them to call you names? I just thought they, you know, they probably, yeah, I didn't want them to call names like you did. So. <laughs> okay. I forgive you. Okay. Oh my gosh. Here we How go. about that? I just I'm going like to live with this one for a while. I just like to joke about it, but I do <laughs> forgive you. There was a little part of me is like, wait, is he serious when he was texting this guy? <laughs> I don't think that he is, but I don't know. He's been in Florida for, has it been a year now? Yeah. yeah just oh over my, a year. Oh my yeah. goodness. I know. Time flies. Yeah. All right. Well, everybody, we hope you have a great rest of the time wherever you are, and we will talk with you next time. Bye, everyone. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to The Ground Beneath Grace. We hope to share a universal journey that leads to Jesus, who is the best picture of God we could ever get.